0: really good to be here. It's really good to be here. And I thank the Lord for the opportunity to uh, pinch hit for Pastor Chad today. And I don't know how long this message will be, but I know that it's a message that I need to hear. And I think it's a message that you all need to hear. And it's not a unique message. It's not a gimmicky message, but uh, it's It's a message which I hope and pray will be so much more than just added information. It's a message that I hope and pray will be theologically correct, but bigger than just our theology. It's a message which I hope can enliven some of our traditions, but it's a message which is bigger than our traditions. Because all of these things, information and theology and tradition, um, as good as they are to be a means to an end, what is the end? What is the end that they'd be a means to? And I'd like to suggest today that that end is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit inviting us into holy intimacy, holy intimacy with him, and um, if you picked up a little outline, you can see that my message has nine points, should take about two hours, Uh, but uh, Actually, these are, these are kind of bullet points, but as I said, I pray for myself and I've been praying for myself that the truth of what we're going to be looking at and the invitation that, that we have here will be something that we receive today and that we carry with us into this week and into The rest of our life, holy intimacy uh, is God's desire, and it's our need. It's our need, and um, we're going to look at various circumstances and situations where the response of the Lord and the response of our Savior was one that drew individuals into this holy intimacy. And I think that within these, these nine circumstances, uh, if you've got a breath and a pulse speed at all, you're gonna be able to identify with at least one or two of these situations. And in Psalm 34:18 we read this. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I'd bet my life on the fact that today there's at least one person out there that's got a broken heart. I'd bet my life on the fact that in this last year, perhaps in this last week, perhaps in the last month, there have been a number of us who have struggled over having a broken heart. And when I kind of rediscovered or discovered this verse for the first time a year or so ago, as I have the opportunity to to minister and work with men and women who are wrestling with addiction, you run into a lot of brokenheartedness. But at the same time, you don't have to look at these special people. You can look at your own family. You can look at your own heart. And the thing that struck me is right here, God is calling us to holy intimacy. He's saying, brothers and sisters, you know, if you've got a broken heart, you've got preferential treatment if you want it. I, the Lord, am near to the brokenhearted. I, the Lord, am near to the brokenhearted. I pray that we will not miss that truth and that invitation to acknowledge his nearness and to thank him for that nearness and to, 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 to simply say, Lord, got a broken heart and uh, be near, be near. His invitation to intimacy. The next next passage that comes to my mind has to do with that that intimacy of Jesus Christ (laughs) manifest in a number of ways. And I put it here, Jesus touch. Jesus' touch. And it's a touch that he um, extended when he was here and a touch that he continues to extend for those who will say Jesus, Lord Jesus, touch me. I think of Mark chapter 1, verses 40-41 through 41, and the exile and the alienated leper comes running to Jesus Christ early in his ministry. Falls down before him and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion and some translations take that word and with anger, not at the man but at the circumstance, says, I am willing, I am willing to and he reaches out and touches the man, the leper, and heals the man. Now, nobody touched a leper unless you were another leper. Nobody would reach out and touch that that man with the oozing sores and the limbs and the body and the skin that were infected with the leprosy. But Jesus reached out and touched that man and says, I am willing to be healed. I'm thinking of of a much more tender situation, like that one right there, where, where the women, I'm assuming, come and say, would you bless our children? And the disciples saw this as superfluous. But Jesus, angry at the disciples, says, let the children come to me. And then in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, it says that he touched them and held them in his arms and blessed them. Jesus Christ's desire, God the Father's desire, God the Holy Spirit's desire for holy intimacy I think is manifest in this particular situation where Jesus takes the the seemingly inconsequential individuals, these little kids, and takes them in his arms, and he blesses them. And so we have the outcast, we have the inconsequential, but we also have that particular alienation that comes with age, with age. Now, one or two of you here have either gray hair or no hair. Um, but, but, you know, there's, there's an, a, a kind of an alienation that can kind of come with that. And I think of Revelation chapter 1, where our brother, our brother John on the Isle of Patmos, literally in exile, probably late in his 80s, Close to 90 years old, is given a revelation of, of Jesus Christ, and it knocks him flat. He sees the glorified Jesus and it knocks him flat. And we read that Jesus came and touched him with his right hand. It says, it, basically he it says, it's me, John. It's me. I'm I'm the one who is dead, is alive, and living forevermore. Let Let us not miss the invitation, the holy invitation into holy intimacy with Jesus Christ. Well, it's that time of year, it's that time of year, where with the best of intentions we come to the end of Christmas and the cusp of the new year and we're absolutely exhausted, exhausted, exhausted. Now that may not happen to everybody, but I know it happens to a lot of us. The preparation, the who will be there, where will we be, how can we get there? Uh, how do we best celebrate the incarnation of our Lord? And for those who are exhausted, and there may be one or two here, listen to what Jesus has to say and in his invitation to holy intimacy. He says this, would you just come to me, all you that labor? and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon, upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burdens light, and I'm meek and I'm humble, and you'll find rest for your soul. The apostle Peter, who heard that invitation, Later in his epistle says, brothers and sisters, would you just cast all your care upon him? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. God's nearness, God's touch, the place of rest for the exhausted. And then, you know, there's some of us who think this way. You know this invitation to holy intimacy sounds good enough, but man, I've really screwed up. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I don't think I don't think under these conditions, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is too interested in me and inviting me into holy intimacy. Well, that most famous of parables. Uh, sheds a light on that feeling that we've got to listen to. It's the parable in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. The prodigal son who basically said, I can't wait for you to die, Dad, so give me my inheritance now. He received his inheritance, went to a far country, squandered it, Wine, women, and song. And then, as happens always in those circumstances, a famine came into the land. A famine came into the land. And he was out slopping hogs, feeding pigs, wondering if maybe he could get some nourishment from the slop that he was giving the pigs. And then it says, he came to himself. He came to himself. And he said to himself, you know what? Back home, the slaves in my dad's household are better off than I am. I think I need to get up and go back to dad. And and he had a little speech prepared. Yeah, had a little speech. The speech was, just make me one of your slaves. Just make me one of your slaves, that's all I want. Well, the powerful thing about this parable is this, that the father saw his younger son coming back a long way off. Brothers and sisters, this tells me that this was not a casual look down a road, This was a look that the father had probably from the day that the son left. Every day, the father would go out and look to see, is my son coming back? Is my son coming back? And then when he sees the son, it doesn't say that the father said, well, this this is good. This is good. I'm glad he came to his senses. But it says that this father ran out and embraced. Embraced his rebellious, lost, stinking, pig-infested son. Embraced him. Didn't even listen to his speech. He just says, let's celebrate because my son that was I was dead, Has come to life again. And what was lost has been found again. And so, here's, here's what I want to just say to, to any of you, who the enemy would say, you know, J- Jesus doesn't like you. God doesn't care for you. I think, brother and sister, what you need to do is to come to yourself and head back knowing that the Father is looking for you. and He'll run out to embrace you because he desires that holy intimacy. And he will do in that circumstance what you could never do yourself by just resolving to be a better boy or a better girl, a better man or a better woman. The next situation that that deeply moves me It's in John chapter 11. And it's the situation where Mary and Martha have a brother, Lazarus, who gets sick, and he's really sick, and they call to Jesus and say, Lord, would you come? Our brother is sick. And Jesus waits a couple of days, Uh, not to make himself late, but just to make himself on time. When he gets there, he finds that Lazarus has died. That Lazarus is in a, a tomb already and that there would be an odor if, if the stone was moved away. But the important thing in that whole situation is that Jesus Christ knowing that he had the power to raise Lazarus, knowing what he was going to do, he goes to that situation and he doesn't say, hey, don't worry about it. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. But he doesn't say, just just cool it. He is in the midst of those who are weeping and grieving over Lazarus. And the Lord that wants Intimacy with us, we have the shortest and most profound verse, perhaps, in the scripture that says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now again, I would speculate that there are those amongst us who this week have had tears. I'd certainly say that there's been 100% of us who in the past year have had tears. And I want you to know that The God who invites you to holy intimacy is the one who identifies and empathizes with you in such a way not to be removed, but to be moved by what moves you. And the tears of Jesus Christ, right before he says, Lazarus, come forth, uh, speak profoundly to his desire to be and to understand and that he does understand exactly what's going on in your heart and mind and life. And he invites you to holy intimacy with him. Just a few more things, then we'll be closing here. Jesus is my shepherd. And he describes that In John chapter 10, by saying, I know my sheep. I call my sheep by name, and I lay down my life for my sheep. Dick, I'm thinking of your prayer. That's something to be thankful for. That's something to be thankful for. He knows your name. He, he said, unlike the uh, the thief that comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, I've come to give you life. And unlike the hired man that will that will flee when the wolf's coming, I'll lay down my life for you. And I want you to understand that. I'm calling you to holy intimacy with me. I'm your shepherd. I'm your shepherd. And uh, reminded of that a couple weeks ago, I'm not, your, I'm not your cattle driver, yeah, get going, I'm your shepherd, follow me, follow me, and I'll lay down my life for you. Point seven, if anybody's following In John 14, we have John 14, 6, it says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We sang the song about that. But it's really, really, really interesting um, the context in which he speaks shortly before he's betrayed. And at the end of John chapter 13, we have Peter who says, hey, not so, not so, you know, you're going to have to do that. And, um, and um, Jesus reprimands Peter. And then chapter 14, verse 1, then he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Brother and sister, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, you know what? I'll come again and receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. For troubled hearts, let not your heart be troubled. He invites holy intimacy and says, I'm preparing a place for you. I'm preparing a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if your heart's troubled, take comfort in that. Now, in the powerful visual imagery of what heaven's going to be like, particularly in the book of Revelation, that stuff just kind of is too big for me or washes over me But what Jesus says, I go to prepare a place so that where I am, there you may be also. 30 30 years from now, I want to be where Jesus is. And he says, Gary, I know your name. I've gone to prepare a place for you. Talking with a brother, uh, Earlier this week, we said, when I get there, I want to see Jesus. And when I get there, I also want to to see my nine-year-old brother that died of polio when he was nine years old. That's the intimacy that Jesus Christ calls us to I'm preparing a place where I am, there you will be. And uh, what a blessing. Finally, two things. The writer of Hebrews says in this invitation to holy intimacy, he says that uh, in Christ, we have the one who will never leave us nor ever forsake us. And then, and then the words of Jesus. I'm going to read these from John 14. Uh, it's, just, it's just beautiful. I just love it. And uh, then we'll close. In that long conversation that Jesus has with his disciples, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper or comforter that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Get this. Every one of you, get this. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And all of these these passages that we've alluded to and talked about drive home to me that Jesus Christ God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, really desires holy intimacy with each one of us. Now, my question for myself, and my question for you all is this. Will you accept the invitation? Will you accept the invitation? Will you accept the invitation? And, And here are four reasons why you won't accept the invitation if you choose to heed these. And I hope that we don't, but let's be alert to them. The first barrier is, well, that sounds good, but there's the time issue. Jesus, catch me later. Right now, I'm too busy to get serious about an intimate relationship. Not just about information, but with you. Just too busy right now. Uh, catch me in the last month of my life and we'll, we'll get this worked out. The time issue. Second issue that we gotta be alert to is the fear issue. The fear issue that says, uh, who, who, me? Uh, can, can I do this? Or if I really get close to Christ, what do I stand to lose? Now that's the word of the enemy rather than if I really get close to Jesus, what do I stand to gain? But it crops up in our minds. If I really get serious about getting close to Jesus Christ, what do I stand to lose? Third reason that the enemy would give us is just the bloomin awkwardness. How am I going to do this? And then inside we say, "Oh, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to have to be up front with him." And that's just a little bit scary. Too many secrets. Two places off-limits. And then finally, and perhaps the biggest one, we've got to be alert to the whole control issue. The whole control issue. And so I would say in my control mind, Jesus, let's get close, but let's do it on my terms, not yours. Those are four barriers that I think that we need to take and recognize that they come right from hell. And Jesus with open arms today wants us to enter into a intimate relationship and communion and connection with him that's bigger than just information, bigger than just theology, bigger than just our tradition, and so, finally, in the words of, of the writer of Hebrews, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Or in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Now's the day to say yes to the holy invitation from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit to enter into a level of intimacy with Him that we haven't heretofore. I'm going to pray.